It's the show that makes us talk. Oh my gosh, Willie. Do you know why the tomato turned red? No, why? Because he saw the salad dressing. (laughs) What about our life? With Chris and Will. Young man, why are you eating that fish? Young man says, because I love fish. He says, oh, you love the fish. That's why you took it out of the water and killed it and boiled it. He said, don't tell me you love the fish. You love yourself. And because the fish tastes good to you, therefore, you took it out of the water and killed it and boiled it. So much of what is love, right, is fish love, right? And so, young couple falls in love. Young man and young woman fall in love. What does that mean? That means that he saw in this woman someone who he felt could provide him with all of his physical and emotional needs. And she saw in this man, somebody she feels that she can write, that was love, right? But each one is looking out for their own needs. It's not love for the other. The other person becomes a vehicle for, for my gratification. Too much of what is called love is fish love. An external love is not on what I'm gonna get, but what I'm gonna give. We had an ethicist, Rabbi Dessler, who said, the people make a serious mistake in thinking that you give to those whom you love. And the answer is, the real answer is, you love those to whom you give. And his point is, if I give something to you, I've invested myself in you, right? And since self-love is a given, everybody loves themselves, now that part of me has become in you, right, there's part of me in you that I love. So, true love is a love of giving, not a love of receiving. It's another great episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. Hello, how are you? Hi. This week we are talking all about, of course, love ballads. Yeah. Who can forget about love ballads? I mean, do they do love ballads anymore? Oh, I don't really need to. Yeah, I, I, they may. They just not the way they used to, of course. And I mean, love ballads, they have that soul to them. They have that well, bond. Well, they, they did back in the day, 1980s, 1990s, of course, maybe early 2000s. But I don't know about today. Yeah. But that is the topic. Today is all about love. In the middle of October, we are talking about love because it's cooler outside in most areas. <laughs> um, the leaves are falling, changing colors. So you get that feel of comfort, cuddle love, maybe. Cozy. Yeah, a little cozy, start a fire, do all that fun stuff. So the talk of love, when we talk about love, what comes to mind? You and I. Uh, don't make me puke. Seriously, though. I mean, I think one thing that both you and I really have in common are love ballads. Because whenever we would go on those car rides, remember, like really late at night, you have this thing for picking out love ballads. And it's like, I'm putty in your arms. I just think, I think I have a thing for just picking out good music. Maybe at that. That's maybe the thing of it is good music. Uh, Because you can't really find that much anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, But um, any sense, best memorable love. Wow. Best memorable love? Okay. (laughs) Sharing just the little moments. Like, for example, if we're cuddled up on the sofa or on the bed and we're watching like a show or a movie or. I think for me, it's when, you know, I try to pretend to be straight and and then. Oh, gosh. I'd have those memorable love moments of thinking that I was, especially in grade school, because. You know, well, maybe it was. I mean, I did like women. I did sleep with women. But still, at the same time, it was like, you know, I kind of knew what I wanted. I mean, I can't really say that here, but uh, I kind of knew what I wanted. So what? So that was probably memorable for me. I mean, well, I guess the first love that I fell in love with for a guy and a girl was memorable because they broke your heart and you were so teary-eyed and these emotions that you're just like, oh, my gosh. But do you know, I have come up with a concept, though. Was that? I think it's harder to be in love as an adult than it is as a kid. 
Hmm. Because in grade school, if you have a crush on somebody and they turn you down, you have to look at that bitch for every single day (laughs) until that term is over with. Whereas now as an adult, if they dump you or whatever, you don't have to see them anymore. You can walk away unless they're a coworker, but you should never date a coworker anyway. So I think as an adult, it's easier to love than it is a kid because you get to escape Uh. a little bit better. And as an adult, you can drink. Oh, Whereas okay. a kid, I, the only thing you can do is get a glass of milk. I mean, that's the best you can do is eat cha- potato chips, juice cookies, box. juice box, yes, and hope the Kool-Aid man walks through your door and says, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, make you feel better. So, yeah, I think as in grade school, especially as a kid, it's harder to be in love than it is as, as an adult. Because I had a lot of crushes. I will say, though, like, I thought there was this expectation, like, if you – if you took your girlfriend out to the movies, you know, and like you had to make a move. And I'm like, I'm so nervous. Like, okay, what do I do? I mean, what part do I put my arm around her? I didn't go through that. I just went like, okay, when is this over with? Cause I just had to, I was feeling that way too, but not in that sense. My only reason why I would go is because the parents would make you go. And I'm just like, okay, Um, I really don't have an interest in this. And then when you went out with the girl as friends and then they thought you were in love with them, it was like, no, no, hold back. Just hold on. I'm not in love with you. Hold Hold on. on." (laughs) I had one that was so desperately in love with me. And I'm like, girl, please. You're wonderful. You're gorgeous, but you're just not going to do it for me. So we're not going to go down that. I mean, it was, it was, that's for another show, but yeah. um, So did you ever take out any of your girlfriends like to a restaurant for like a dinner or something like that? Only for prom. Oh, okay. I I did that for Valentine's day. No, we went to a Chinese restaurant. I think we waited like 40 minutes or so, but I wanted to make it romantic. I didn't like dating. You know, I went to a place that had a piano playing and all that. I didn't like dating. It was just like crushes. It's like, you know, when I was in grade school, when I was old enough, I didn't need to have crushes. All I needed to do is have sex. I'm done. We're done. We're over with, Jeez. you know, that's all it was. <laughs> it was fulfill it, be over with, be done with it. And every now and then they'd stick around and then, you know, just whatever. <laughs> so what would be the difference between conditional love and unconditional love? Conditional love is what you want out of it and you move on. Unconditional love is that person is loyal, is there for you every single millisecond. Basically, you're talking about you, Chris, really, because, I mean, you've been there for me every millisecond over the 20 and a half years that we've been together. I mean, through my ups, through my tons of downs. And you know what? You're still here. That is something to be. That is something I am so thankful for. I'm going to throw up again. Uh, Anyway, I do not like sentimental you uh, do. You I just, just don't like, like to talk about it. It I just, know. I, it just, it's like. But it, inside, it's just like that feeling <laughs> that's just. It's kind of like family oh. love. It's like you know, you have your love for your family, but you're like, okay, when you come to visit, two days is good. We don't need a whole week. But if you're here for a week, that's wonderful as long as we're independent. But when they're clingy for a whole week, it's like you've been here one too many seconds long. <laughs> Um, so it's kind of like that. Now, falling in love is a whole different story. You get the queasiness. You get the... I didn't get that, though. Eh. It, I mean, I don't know if it was the butterflies in your stomach, as the saying goes. But for me, it was more of stepping outside of my comfort zone, I guess. Or or more like just saying, Willie, just do it already. You know you want to. Just do it. Well, it's kind of like dates. You know, don't go find an expensive person because... I'm very simplistic, dude. We can say a date and go to McDonald's and a movie and I'm good. I don't need to go to a, a ritzy fine steakhouse and, and you know, spend a lot of money. Oh, on so what? And it's kind of like that now. I mean, yeah. when we go out to eat with friends. It's like they think that, oh, we got to go to these ritzy places. And it's like, it's like no, no. I mean, I hate to say it for all our vegetarian people, but, you know, the the cow came from the same farm as that cow did. You know, my steak is going to be the same damn animal as it was from the beginning. <laughs> so, and they're not going to cook. Usually the most expensive restaurants don't cook their steaks really good. Cause I like my steaks 
um, cooked real well and have some juice in it. And dude, when that, we went yeah. to Palm Springs, that poor that poor waiter, I sent back that steak. What? How many times? Enough to the point to where they're like, okay, well, is there something else? Probably just maybe some chicken because uh, um, the steak just wasn't good. But yeah. Um, anyway, so anniversaries, weddings, all this fun stuff. Yeah, we're getting into all that. But yeah. Um, birthdays, those were always ordinary days. To now me. I will tell you though. And though I'm very grateful for what you did and how soon you came into my life when I first met you, Chris got me a theme park ticket to Universal's Islands of Adventure the first month it opened. Um, And this was July of 99. Now, that's the first time that I can recall as a friend or anybody of that nature purchased such an expensive thing for me for my birthday, like as a present. And at that time, I just, there was so much going on. I didn't clearly see the gift that was truly in that. But you know what makes it, you know, and I appreciate that, but I'm thinking of something else. You know what makes crushes a little bit easier is social media. Because you, if you have a crush on a certain person you're, and you're friends with them, <laughs> you're going to know what kind of person this is without even having to go on a date with them, Whoa. spending one second with them. And in most cases, if they have Instagram, you're going to see their shirt off. You're going to see them half naked anyway. So you you're going to know what you're getting into before you get exactly, to it. Exactly, exactly. And so it makes it easier now because, gosh, I'm always the one that says you got to try out the goods before you commit that to the goods. That was it. That was the one. Yes, yeah. because, it, you know, clearly the goods were really must have been good. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm quite you don't, don't want to be stuck with a person that just is not up to par. I, I mean, mean, yes, the looks are great and all, but what really? Well, not just that, but personality. That's, I mean, yeah. I mean, surely enough, if they're horrible in bed, they've got to make up for something and they can learn if they have that great personality. But if they're egotistical and think that they're, oh my gosh, this rocket man in bed and they suck and then their personality adds to the suck, then it's just like, <laughs> wow, you're just a big hunk of waste of time. So, you know, they, and even if they are rich, it doesn't matter. No, just marry doesn't. them and take their money. Um, but really, but, like, like you were going off of the personality thing, that's more important to me than any image or or anything of that sort because that's – we're talking true character here. Well, love is love one way or another. Yes. And, you know, every relationship is different. Everybody's taste is different, Correct. of course. And yeah. everybody's desire of love is different. And how it's they a, it's find a, a person is different. And yeah. I'm never going to say my way is the right way because clearly it's not. What works for me may not work for somebody else. And what works for us may not work for another couple, mm-hmm. couple you know. But um, I think when you know love, you just got to know how you want to be loved and, and how, how you, you want to do it. Yes, yeah. exactly. Because that's just that's that's the secret to it is, you know, because um, love is your leader. That's going to be your heart. That's yeah. going to keep going for going on and on and on and on and on and on and on. So, you know, love always is going to lead you into a circle. It's going to lead you back some way or another. Yes. never an easy thing but you never said that you'd stay forever so if you must go oh darling i'll set you free because i know in time that we'll be together no i won't try to stop you now from leaving Cause in my heart I know love will lead you back Someday I just know that love will lead you back to my arms Where you belong I'm sure, I'm sure the stars are shining One day you will find me again it won't be love, cause one of these days, oh, love will lead you 
I'll hear your voice again as you're gonna say how much you miss me you walked out this door but someday you'll walk back in it's darling i know i know Another great one from Taylor Dane, Love Will Lead You Back. My favorite song from Taylor. Yes, a lot of love songs from Taylor, always talking about the heart. So let's talk about some love ballads a little bit. Love ballads, name me some love ballads. What comes to mind? Um, Alone by Heart. Alone by Heart, that's a good one. How about uh, True Colors by Cindy Lauper? Yeah. Oh, how the years go by Vanessa Williams. Yeah, that's a good one. To Become One. Spice Girls. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that one. And this one was the uh, heartbreaker or the love one. Everybody loves back in the day. Couldn't get enough of it. Everything I do, I do it for you, Brian Adams. Uh-huh. Of course, these are all ballads from back in our day, 80s and 90s. Of course, Love Will Lead You Back, Taylor Dane, a lot of lists of Taylor Dane songs. Yeah. How about the I Will Always Love You, the Dolly Parton and the Whitney Houston version? Yeah. Now, I did like both. Now, everybody asks, which one was your favorite? I don't have a favorite out of the two. I think they both did their own style. And it also depended on the scenario, too, of, like, listening to it. Because, obviously, Dolly Parton's was from a movie. Um, Well, they're both from a movie. movie. But the fact that it was too... That was their own style. Yeah. I mean, because, again, I would... I think if Whitney Houston tried to sing the song, like... um, Dolly Parton sang it. I don't think it would sound good. No, I don't think it would. In fact, talking a little bit about uh, Whitney Houston, did you know that uh, "Love Will Lead You Back" from Taylor Dane was actually supposed to be for Whitney Houston, but Clive Davis gave it to Taylor Dane instead? It's mm. another good fact of that one. That's yeah, really good. Oh, the Titanic song, My Heart Will Go On, Celine Dion. Wow. Everybody loved that one. Mm -hmm. I'm sure she gets annoyed by performing it. (laughs) A Thousand Years by Christina Perry. Yeah, I know. That one's one of your favorites, huh? It is. I Could Fall in Love, Selena. Yeah. Dreaming of You, Selena. Yeah. How about Masterpiece by Atlantic Star? Yes, Absolutely. I I listen to that one a lot on the radio. Listen to your heart, Roxette. Yeah. Uh, The River, Garth Brooks. Okay. They've done some a lot of good songs there. Mm -hmm. Um, Vision of Love by Mariah 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 Carey. Carey. If You're Not the One, Daniel Bedingfield. Right. Seasons Change, Expose. Yeah. Another good one from, uh, from Heart. The um, 
<sighs> Which one? They've done a lot They've of done them. A lot. Um, what about love? There you go. Yes, yes, yes. There's another one that they did that um, I really, really like, but I can't think of it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't mm-hmm. think of it. After all, by Cher. Yes, yes. Uh, I, and that was with um, what's his name? Uh, I he was from Chicago, and then he did his own yeah, solo thing. I, don't know. I, can't, uh, I know who you're talking about. It's I'm sucking at these Peter names. Here, I guess. Is that I it? guess. I don't, I don't want to say yes or no to that. Yeah. But I hope you date can dance from Leanne Womack. Oh, yes. You played that one a lot for me. I did. I did. I actually like it. What about Unchained Melody, Righteous Brothers? Mm-hmm. And Cindy Lauper did a version of that. Yeah. Remember that? And Cindy Lauper also did At Last. Yeah. Which How about one. Under the Boardwalk? Oh, yes. Under the Boardwalk. Wind Beneath My Wings. Great Bette Midler. Yeah. Uh, now and Forever, Richard Marks. Yeah. Uh, Save the Last Dance for Me. You, but you like the Michael Boublier version. I do like that one. I do. Gosh, there's a lot of them. We're probably missing so many. <laughs> so many. But, you know, again, the main ones that came to mind I mentioned. Uh, how about I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner? Yeah, there's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Stranded from Heart. Yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily a love ballad. Um, these Dreams. That's what it was. Yeah. That's what I've been trying to find is These Dreams from yes. Heart. Yes. That one was I love. One. That's one of my favorites from Heart. It is. They, they put on a really good show. Yeah. But, you know, again... Love ballads, that's their purpose. They're supposed to come from the heart. They're supposed to give you a meaning to them, um, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why they use a lot of them in movies because in a lot of those romantic movies at those particular scenes, they they meant something, especially in, in uh, Dirty Dancing. They, they pull out your heartstrings. They do. They pull out a lot of them. There's just so many of them. But, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about love ballads. Which, talking about movies, okay, um, not Footloose, but a Dirty Dancing. Uh, uh, I had the time of my life. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, uh, he did a song too. Patrick Swayze did a song. Yeah. Um, um, oh gosh, gosh. Uh, She's like the wind. She's like the wind. That's right. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, love ballads. It makes you fall in love. And, you know, we we talk about this a lot, but a good friend of ours who we're going to talk to today, which is our special guest on here. She Yay! sings nothing but heart songs. Everything that's not the group, but has heart in it somewhere yes. along the line. And, you know, a lot of different love types to it. We are talking about the incredible Taylor Dane. Wow. Taylor is going to be joining us. She was, she did on Broadway Cats. Did you know that? No. She did. Wow. Well, well, Taylor has sold over 75 million singer singles within three decades. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. 30 years in the business since her hit came out. Tell Tell it it to to my my heart. heart. She's a Grammy nominated pop icon. Mm Mm-hmm. And she was inducted into the Music Hall of Fame in uh, 2012. I don't know why I can't talk today. Her new single out is called Live Without. Yeah, go check it out. It's it's really, really good. But Mm -hmm. she's had some great, she's had eight, she's had over 18 top 10 hits. Can you believe that? That's a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell it to my heart. Love will lead you back. Prove your love. Don't rush me. Gosh, just to name a few. Mm -hmm. But right now she's got a book out. It's called Tell It to My Heart, How I Lost My Shit, Conquered Fear, and Found My Voice. Directly from Taylor Dane. So sit back, relax. We're going to give Taylor a call because Taylor Dane's coming up. could very well be seeing herself at number one in the next few weeks. Currently at number four, here's Taylor Dane, and tell it to my heart, over there!
with us today. We are so, so happy, me especially. And we have with us a performer who has been Grammy nominated. Totally, totally, totally a woman of the heart. Taylor Dane, our dear friend. Hi, Taylor. How are you? Hi. Hi, honey. So nice to hear your voice. How are you? Oh, I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much for asking. Fantastic. Yes. <laughs> oh, he's excited. He's excited. So the book is called Tell It to My Heart, How I Lost My Shit, Conquered Fear, <laughs> and Found My Voice. So what made you want to write a book? Well, goodness, it's just, you know, I was nearing the 30-year mark. In 2016, I was working with, um, uh, well, in 2016, I did a TED Talk, uh, uh-huh. specifically TED Women, and um, that was the impetus, but also what inspired the TED Talk was I was working with a, a book, my, my, if you, you call them ghostwriters to some degree, but I had to really find my 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 voice, my, my writer's voice. Right. And I was working with this woman, Linda Syverston, she had an incredible uh, book writer's retreat. And it was there that she said, you, you know, Taylor, you're, you, the world knows you, so this is different. And at the same time, writing this, your book, your memoir, is going to take a couple of years. This is, you know, writing a book is, is quite an adventure. And, you know, it's an, it's an undertaking. And I understood that. Once I was really in, put, write put, you know pen to paper and, and you know computer and really just sitting down and writing I understood that because you're constantly reflooding your your mind is you know the experiences are reflooding and regoing through and, and you're hashing things through but she said I want you to do a TED talk now I'm going to reach out to TED um, some other people are doing it and it happened to be TED women which was actually a very important year it was the Me Too movement it was Black Lives Matter the women that created these events it was myself Ashley Judd Elizabeth Lesser Lesnar if you understand these women's voices it was such a moment in time and that I got to be a part of that and it was there that it became so obvious that where this book and where it was heading and it took me six months to prepare for that TED talk it's not this is not a a five minute, this was a 14, I think it was a 14, 16 minute, I'm sure, Willie, you know a yeah. lot better than I do how long mm-hmm. it was. Yes, and yes. I'm sure you'll share a link, and it was profound, and it was profound for, as a woman, it was profound for me as an artist, and it was profound for the audiences, just the vulnerable opening up and allowing this part of myself to be exposed. Yeah, I mean, I saw that TED Talk, and the whole time, I was just speechless because it was so motivating and just so uh, powerful, I guess you could say, you know, and as you said, it's a different side that, you know, the public generally doesn't get to see. And I'm so thankful that you shared that with us. Well, art comes from someplace, right? Within the artist, right? So for me, um, it, it, it starts at, you know, what made me want to pick up my basketball, right? You know, what made me, what drove me to stardom or what drove me to not, to take, ne- never take no for an answer? What drives, the, what's the force that you need to put your voice out there continually against a lot of no's? And, and part of it was just this internal voice and more than that, the, the, the desire, the need to be heard. Yeah. To let this, this p- fear which is the conquering the fear, you know, getting through the shit, the mire of crap that we all have. You know, everybody faces challenges on some level or another through family, but health, whatever it demands. Mm-hmm, Mine was right. at four years old, I was hospitalized for surgery that I'd already suffered through a year of not even understanding what that meant to a little girl that went through kidney and bladder transplantations and things that, you know, I wouldn't wish on anybody. Mm-hmm. But what do I know at that age? All I know is that my world was upside down and I couldn't play. I couldn't go out. I wasn't a regular child. And from right. there, I had to go inside. And that's the voice. That was the music that saved my life. And imitating the Stevie Wonders and the Joni Mitchells and anybody I heard that, you know, that moved me on radio that I felt closest to because I had nobody around me, right? In the hospital, yeah. you're not surrounded with your friends. So a lot of that comes out in the TED Talk. And then, as I said forth, the impetus for the book and just my home life, and then what inspired me to continue this and, and what, why it's so necessary for everybody that everybody understand they do have a voice, you know? Whether you right. share it or not, it's irrelevant. It's, their voice matters, right? You yes, matter. it does. It does. So you mentioned this in the, in the TED Talk, because um, we both did watch it. 
And uh, you mentioned that a lot of the songs that you are known for are about the heart. Was that kind of on purpose or it just kind of <laughs> happened? Wait, <laughs> you have to admit that's the funniest part of the damn TED Talk. When I realize yes. I'm writing down every stamp, I have 18 top 10 singles. And if the word heart or love isn't in the title, I'll be damned. Uh-huh. <laughs> Only, maybe... I mean, maybe you get away with it with Don't Rush Me, but that's about it, baby. (laughs) Well, it was just part of the process where I was like, Jesus Christ, tell it to my heart, right? Prove your Uh love. I'll always love you. Don't Rush Me. There you go, right? And it was Carry Your Heart, right? Then it was this next record. I was like, Love Will Lead You Back. Yes. Like, with every beat of my heart, I'll be your shelter. There you go, another I'll. But, I mean, I have to be honest. It was so obvious that... This is like, you know, get inside people's hearts, drag them out. And, of course, you know, the nature of my voice itself is, you know, highly impassioned. And when I'm in the studio, it's no holes, you know, roll up the sleeves, get dirty, and no holes barred, you know? Right, right. Amazing, amazing. Because, you know, you and I have talked before, and it's about matters of love and the heart. And that's why it's just, when you said that, it is extremely important and I am so thankful well, for that, design, Taylor. By nature, I didn't design the titles or the songs and whether I wrote them or not, whether I, you know, I'll wait. I guess I use the word I'll a lot as well, huh? <laughs> 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 by design, it's a universal, it, everybody understands. I mean, it's universal. Yes. I've played all over the world. I mean, love, heart, our souls, our, we are all one. We are together. Yes. And whether we whether we acknowledge it, whether we're running through fear or not, when it comes back to love, that's when we're in our most, precious state and and when we can hear and see what's around us that's basically the bottom line how true is that very very true so have you been surprised with the uh response you've got from your book sales because we saw the uh the picture where you did a book signing after one of your shows and the line was like way out the door Uh, i mean it's just part of I don't know if I'm surprised ever or, you know, I have, I've I've got my goals, you know, I have my things in my heart that I still want to achieve and things that I need to hit landmarks, land, you know, marks for me. Um, I'm just, you know, I went into it not really thinking numbers, just trying to, you know, again, and I'm still, this is a very long leg journey when you put a book out there. It's with you for life. It's like a record, you know, but Mm -hmm. you don't work it the same way. You have opportunities to. You know, you talk to people continually. It's, it's a 30-year process. That book was, you know, telling where I was up until this moment, and there's more to tell. So all I can say is I'm ever grateful, and um, if you see the lines, then people are responding, and they're hearing, and, you know, there's more to say. Which is always a good thing. Yes, always. yes. Now, we read a little bit about it in the book. Uh, tell me about how you found Tell It to My Heart and how you made Tell It to My Heart become the legendary Taylor name. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I grad- listen, I, I, I was the hustler. I was a hustler. I grew up in Long Island. I grew up in New York City. I mean, I'm from New York, so it started in the clubs. I was by eight, you know, drinking age when I was growing up, kids was 18. Clubs, we were in by 17. And I was flooded by every, I could get into Gildersleeves, I could get into CBGBs, I could get into you know, the bitter end, the bottom line. I mean, these clubs were available to me, right track in, you know, RT Firefly. And I was in them. I was in them. So um, I was hanging out on St. Mark's, you know, legendary for where, you know, Madonna was breaking. There was dance interior. There was, you know, these were the clubs. It was private eye. My brother was, who's four years older than me, was a lighting designer. He was already working in, in uh, the Playboy club and he helped design the lighting for uh, studio 54. So I was in clubs. We were in them. And that's where I saw, legendary groundbreaking artists, whether it was this club in Long Island called Malibu, that groundbreaking. I mean, you had people coming in from YouTube to the police to, I remember seeing Grace Jones just with these, these drums, these huge kettle drums. I mean, it was phenomenal. And these were ground, you know, these were artists that were just breaking. I right. mean, everybody understands when the police first came out, and this was when I was in high school. This was in the late 70s, 78, 79, Chrissy Hind, you know, all these artists. But, you know, by 80, 81, then I was in the clubs, and I could legal, you know, not necessarily legally, but I was in there, and I, I already, you know, I spent every day watching live music. I mean, live music for us, you know, we had clubs, but we had live bands. I mean, think about it. In those days, you know, right. 
in those days. It sounds like, you know, we're 90, but I mean, uh-huh. live music was really part of it. It was until my brothers were breaking with private eyes where videos started becoming so phenomenal and dance and the clubs out there. So we were started, you know, obviously Studio 54, but video, people started, you know, the videos that we know from 80s, 81, 82, obviously with MTV, it became so impactful. So by the time I broke in 87, 88, would tell it to my heart it was just like if you don't have a video if you're not you know seen and the impact i guess of my image and the music and the song um that was just nothing but sheer tenacity i'd done a couple of 12 inches work the club uh-huh. system and uh the song was a kid a kid i went to high school with was like i'm working at warner chapel now i saw him on the west side highway i was just in the city and he was like you know just give me a call or my girlfriend up at warner chapel and they sent me a cassette and i just was with my uh, partner my production partner and you know, we had put a couple of 12 inches out under Leslie. I was Leslie Wonderman, right, Leslie? And uh, at that point, we uh, he said, I like this song. Let's go ask your dad for some money because we've been in the studio doing plenty of stuff. And I was primed and ready. And if, at that time, I was already a big session singer, and I'd gone through two bands already. So Tell It To My Heart was the one he chose. And I'm like, all right, Dad, we need $6,000. And, you know, I knew we'd give him the money back. if it, We'd sell enough 12 inches for it. I just was hoping this was the one that we felt had the most crossover appeal. And it did. Yeah, of course. Uh, just a little. <laughs> of, course, of course. Now, just a here's, an, here's an ultimate question. You probably never get asked this, but um, do you miss the hair? Uh, I always miss hair. And I don't know what girl's going to tell you they don't. But that's <laughs> that. So I, don't miss, like, I don't miss some of the ways we had to put in that hair in the day. Guys, this was, this was I was getting, you know, hair burnt in, melted in. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. I mean, I don't miss any of that. I don't miss, I used to be like, God help the person who who gave me this hair because I'm leaving it on the streets here in like New Orleans sometimes. I was like, this is a mess. But yes, the hair. God bless the hair. Wow. Well, so you were talking about that when you did those originals that you went under Leslie. So who came up with Taylor Dane? Oh, that was just a baby book and, and some drinks because I <laughs> 12 inches by that point. And Rick and I were uh, working, you know, in Cope City Sound. This was uh, with Billy Joel's people, R- Richie Canada, you know, his band. They, You know, everybody was, Long Island was no longer faceless, believe me. We had some big talent coming out of there. Joan, Joan Jett, you know, um, right. the, um, the, uh, uh, what do you call it? The uh, stray cats had broken, so we were, mm-hmm. you know, Patty Benatar. So I was like, when we were up in the studio, this was after D. Snyder was mentoring, you know, was working with my production partner, and yeah. he put us up there. And we were, uh, you know, Taylor Dane was definitely Richie Canada was having a baby. We took his baby book, and we were like, well, we can't put this out under Leslie. We're like, we have twelve inches out into that. Like, you know, if we're gonna do this, let's let's put a put a name together. And I was like, more than happy to lose my name, my identity. It was just sort of like okay, let's just come up with something. And Taylor was brought up in the studio with D, like Tommy, Taylor, to- Tony, you know, you need a guy's nickname. And then right. it was Taylor. We were all like, Taylor, wow, that's so cool for a trick. And then we just took the book and went and had drinks. And then I remember Rick was like, I like this, Dane. And we were like, okay. And there you have it. That's really the extent of it and how bizarre and how incredible. Wow. So do your kids yep. reference you as Taylor Dane or do they reference you as Leslie? Oh, well, I've been legally Taylor Dane now for, what, 30 years? Okay. Nobody okay. Refer- I, I don't. The only one that references me as Leslie, I think, is myself at some times. That right. little girl inside me. Yeah. Even my parents, you know, it's just, you know, yeah. It's a natural it's thing, crazy, though. Just call it Taylor. Wow. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So was it hard to my write the book? Yeah. Was it hard to write the book at all? I mean, did you have, I'm sure you had to go oh. through some levels of acceptance in your life to write it. Yes, I mean, like I said earlier, the TED Talk was this moment that took six months to achieve, right? So the rewriting, the reliving in some levels. And with the book, it's no different. You know, you're you're opening up your layers and layers and layers and and emotionally. And then it's it's evolving into where it wants to go. So this isn't a done story. So, yeah, it was definitely hard. And it definitely took the two, two years easily. Wow. So where did you find uh, all your strength over the years? Did, was that coming from the music, or did you find another method? Oh, everybody needs a daily practice, whether it's your meditation, your yoga, your workout, your food. 
I've accepted that my work is very demanding on me physically and physically and mentally and emotionally I have to be sound in order to get up on stage and through the years I've had my own challenges with health or whatever you want to call any challenge mentally emotionally breakups love whatever um, being a mom now, single mom now for the last 18 years of my life is, is really, you know, it makes you step up. Like, there's no other way to put it. I don't, you know, I'm not, uh, women are extraordinary human beings and, you know, I'm, I'm, my career is as demanding as it is being a mother. And at 17, these kids, I have twins. And trust right. me, who child, who child, <laughs> got to say, all I know is that they're trying to, you know, they're trying to get me. And I'm like, I will whoop it. So my health, my food, what I take, what I put in my body, taking care of myself is so, so important emotionally, mentally. And I'll do retreats. Yes, I've done yoga retreats. I'll do more, more deeper work on myself emotionally and physically. I'll, I'll explore different ways um, to take care of myself, um, vitamin, nutritionally, hormone wise. You know, I, you know, I'm now in my FU 50s. So it is very important. And when I'm getting on stage, there's no, you know, it's like an aerobic exercise, you know, that lasts 90 minutes. So I need the energy for that and the stamina and the sustainability to be able to do that from within. I agree with that. Your well-being, I mean, that helps you to go ahead and be who who you are on stage to give that energy that you need to do, you know. But through life, you know, and in my life. So one, you know, a lot of singers ask me because I'm known as, you know, quite a singer. So my point is I say to them, I go, guys, and and strong women, beautiful women, I say, guys, sleep, shut it down. Number one for me is I have to stop talking. I mean, you could ask Celine. We just shut our voices down. That's the number one thing I have to learn and do. So sleep is, it stops my body from reacting, moving, doing. When I'm watching shows, I'm singing. It's a hard thing to describe, but my inside of my voice is moving because I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I'm in a, you know, my, I'm, I'm doing tonations. I'm hearing things. So it's Mm -hmm. important to shut it down. You can't speak. You just can't speak. Right. Well, the voice needs rest. It's unfortunate that, you know, I, I used to be so jealous of most of my players because they put their instrument away. I, my instrument, I carry with me. Right. Well, that was going to be my next question, which you pretty much answered, is how you take care of your voice. So you would say that pretty much shutting it down is how you take care of that voice. That's one of the most primary, primarily important tools. I'm not going to sit here and say honey and steam and all that. Right. Number one, quietness. Resting it. Number two, uh, obviously vocalizing, which I do every mm-hmm. performance, but, you know, I studied what people don't, a lot of people don't, and I study operatically. So to me, and I, as I talk to my daughter, and I try to tutelage her now into her um, as an actress, and I said, sorry, you need fundamentals. Fundamentals are key for anything. Without these tools, you can't go back, you know, this is what keeps my voice resonating, and what keeps it strong, and grows that muscle. And that is exercising it, so it's the muscle. So when I've been out of voice, when I've had to come back and revamp on my voice and work on it, it's going back into training. Like an athlete, you've got to retrain it, relearn, work different muscles. Wow. Wow. That, yeah, I, I can definitely see, see how that's very, very beneficial. Now, I was wondering about something that was in your book that I read. How was it opening for Michael Jackson? <laughs> well, I think what I wrote was, I'm going to shit myself, literally. (laughs) Because, remember, this is 60,000 people in an arena in a different time, you know? And um, it was Michael Jackson. It was the bad tour. It was the biggest tour in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was scared shitless. And um, it was the first tour I went on. I went from, you know, obviously a phenomenal record called Tell It To My Heart, but it was right from clubs to breaking it from radio stations to these arenas and it was an extraordinary experience i watched the greatest artist in the world mm-hmm. take down people night after night and watch the pandemonium the fandemonium like you've never seen in your life ever wow. and he loved it he loved people passing out getting hosed down he loved watching it he loved it that was his thing fan 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 it was just the fandemonium was his thing Definitely a very memorable experience in your life, then. 
Now, when we saw you, when we saw you in LA at one time, and it was right before the, or right after the funeral of Michael Jackson, do you remember the, your emotions? Because you said you were there. And do you remember those emotions, what was going through? Because when we watched it, it was emotional. How was it being there in person? Oh, guys, you know, look, the the ceremony was taking place at Staples Center. And this wasn't just, you know, these were invited people. That's the, the, I got to tell you, I mean, these were invited guests, people, our peers, my peers in the music industry, in the world. And and it was, you know, from Brooke Shields to Quincy to everybody was there. And um, it was, it was very, very difficult and it was very emotional. And um, it was also very extraordinary that you could see the music of this man, this, the impact that he made across so many lives and, and how sad it was to lose him and how sad all the circumstances were, to be quite frank. Right. Absolutely. And the loss and how many, you know, so we always have to go back to that legacy of what's left behind, you know, because it was something else. And it was, it was an intriguing legacy at that. So I can just imagine, like I said, it was, it was breathtaking just to watch it over television. So Mm -hmm. I can imagine what it was like being there in person. But uh, switching gears a little bit, I want to get you, you, you've said this in some of your performances, and of course this is, as you know, Willie's ultimate favorite Taylor Nate <laughs> song. So tell me the story about <laughs> love, how Love Will Lead You Back came into your arms. Yes. Look, Love Will Lead You Back was probably one of the most, the easiest and most simple stories told. I was in Clive's office. We were discussing you know the record and going through material for for my second for my sophomore record which was a very important record we were all on the same page and diane warren was trying fanatically to get on the first record which at the you know towards the end because you know it was really a single single then we started putting the album together but by this record she was like and he said i have a song to play for you diane sent this to me and i want you to hear it and it was uh love will lead you back and i just looked at him and he just and I and he just grinned, and I just was like, "This is extraordinary." Right. How simple? How simply said? How impactful? That's the best way I can describe it. And I was like, "I'm. I can't wait to. I can. I'm. I just can't wait to perform this and get into the studio." That was my feeling, primarily for the whole record. Wow. Wow. Because that song, and it just it has so much. So, I mean, it can be interpreted so many ways, but for me, the message that comes across is that no matter the circumstance, love will lead you back. Love is the answer, you know? And it's just, I feel so connected to that because, again, it's a matter of the heart, but also on a separate note, I liked some of the instruments in that song, particularly one, I think this is correct, the sitar it's just like, because um, they have like a, uh, I guess it's a jazz guitar, and then it has like that little sitar effect during the, um, I guess it's the chorus line, and that that that's a part of that's a favorite part of the song for me too. So it it has a lot of stuff for me, and yeah, it is. But some of the drums, like we would spend like two days just getting a drum sound, the reverb on that. Really, like, you know, Rick was so brilliant. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. But yeah, it could, probably was. I know you think it's a sitar. It was probably, you know, a, a keyboard. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, it was uh, lovely. I mean, I definitely, that's one of my favorite parts of the song, instrument-wise, but just... Absolutely. And then with your voice to it. I mean, how else to describe it? It's it's, it's breathtaking. Oh. oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> And of course, you know how I perform it live, and I just, you know, love will lead you back. It kind of is is my is my last encore, and it just brings it all together. It just solidifies the entire experience for me as an artist, and I hope for my fans. You know, it just brings it home. Chris is over here looking at me right now. He just, I'm just glowing. I mean, a big smile on my face. So, <laughs> you know, uh, do you do you remember Amen. the uh, voicemail that you left him and you sang parts of "Love Will Lead You Back to Him"? 
he of course re- he listens to that and pretty much wears it out. If yes. it was a cassette tape, it would have been broken by. <laughs> Well, thank God for voicemail. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, he, he managed to download it to the computer, so he goes to it and yes. listens to it, and it's it's so phenomenal. So, yeah, that you could definitely tell that's his favorite song. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, so, I thank you guys so much for this opportunity, and um, I look forward to uh, hearing this interview. It's amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Taylor, really quick, uh, what's next for you? Uh, I'm not back out on the road. Um, new music now, so we'll get into that after I finish up in the new year. So probably wonderful. January, February. We're well, Taylor, thank you so much. The book is so wonderful. It is a yes. great book, and we highly recommend it. Now they can get it at uh, Amazon and your website. Is there any other place that they can get it at? at all, yeah, Barnes and Nobles anywhere. So I mean, Perfect. just go online anywhere where you buy your books, and you know, obviously Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. And, you know, if you want an autographed version, you can certainly go directly to my website and um, order that. Well, thank you again so much for doing this interview. Yes, my pleasure, guys. Love you. Wow, it's always fun talking to Taylor. Of course, yes, it is, and of course, your lovely love will lead you back. You know. I'm, there's something about that song. You know, look at the words, love will lead you back. So let's say that a couple has an argument, right? But what happens? If they separate, fine. But if it's, if it's real, if it's true love, love will lead you back to the one who you're supposed to be with. Absolutely. You definitely want to go check out her book. It's Tell It To My Heart, How I Lost My Shit, Conquered Fear and Found My Voice from Taylor Dean. Mm-hmm. Check out her new song, her new single, Live Without. Mm-hmm. It's all out there. You can check out her website, taylordane.com. And uh, all that great stuff. Go see her in concert. She's wonderful. We love Taylor. Taylor, thank you so much for being on our show. Yeah, We can't wait to see you again. Mm-hmm. And we want to thank you guys for joining us once again. We always love your company. Tell everybody about us. You can find us on Instagram. Yes, at chris.and.will. That's right. Spread the word. We love to entertain everyone because every week, We have an all-new episode with a new topic with a new special guest. So you'll want to join us again next week for all that grand fun. But we want to thank you for coming by. Remind yourself to love yourself and the world will love you in return. I promise you because we love you guys. We thank you guys for coming on the show and listening to us. We thank Taylor for being with us today. And don't forget to join us again next week. Follow us, like us, share our stuff, and enjoy everything about Chris and But for now, we've got to go. It's been fun. It's been a wonderful What About Our Life with with Chris Chris and Will. Will. So we got to go for now. Bye. Bye.